Well, amen. Sure is good to be here once again. Enjoyed my time uh, with the college students this morning. Thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to be with your college and for the lunch. Chicken is one of my favorite. I love chicken. And so praise the Lord for that. And so, yeah, as Pastor mentioned, we have some prayer cards in the back. They're selling for $5. The pens are for 3 so take as many as you can afford. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. That's a joke. They're for free. Amen. But sure are glad. I just want to say thank you to this church and to your pastor for the many years of your care for us as missionaries. And as he already mentioned, we spent five years down in Mexico working with the Mennonites of uh, that area, approximately between 50 to 70,000 Mennonites that live in that area. And so uh, God, uh, God used us there, and, uh, and, but now we're back. And some have said, well, it sure, sure must be nice to be back in Canada and to be with your family, your children. And that part is true. But one thing they, they failed to realize that part of our heart is still there. And it's just something that God's done. He's knitted our hearts with those people, and we're still in contact with them. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's good to be with your family, but when God moves you and gives you a love for a certain people, He doesn't end it when you leave. Uh, you still have a love for those people. And so we think very often of Mexico and of the people that we had the privilege of ministering to, and uh, isn't there, I don't know if there's a day that goes by that we don't think about them. But this is the uh, will, will of God for our lives now. And we're excited about what the Lord is doing here. And so I just want to say thank you to uh, Grace Baptist Church, to your pastor, for your, well, uh, for your uh, generous care of us and for your prayers. It's good to hear uh, being in a service and you're praying for your missionaries. Boy, we need prayer. We all need prayer. Amen. Uh, pray one for another. How many times Paul said, pray for me, brethren, pray for me. And so it's good to pray. So thank you for the many years that you've supported us. And while we were in Mexico, thank you for uh, supporting many of our Canamera missionaries. And so we're excited. They all have well things to say about this church. In fact, my wife was just talking to one of your missionaries, the, the Croakers. And I think they were probably here, one of your last missionaries that came through. I'm not sure. But uh, they said that uh, this was a real refreshing time to come here and to spend time with you guys. And so uh, thank you for being a church that loves missionaries. And it's not just by word, but it's by deed as well. And so we thank you for that, and it makes a big difference. It's nice to have an oasis when you're on deputation. And uh, any of you that's ever been on deputation, have you been, you've been on deputation? Have you been on deputation? Very little. And uh, so what uh, deputation can be uh, quite challenging. It's a real trial of your faith, and a real trial is... The call of God in your life real. And so we're back on deputation, so to speak, back on deputation and promoting uh, Canamera. And what I'm really praying for is that God would use me in a way that he would use us to touch, to touch some young, not necessarily young, but to, to touch some heart and that they would surrender to missions. Uh, pray, we are praying for labors. Pray either for the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors. And I'm not sure if we're going to make it to this missions conference that you talked about. I think we're, <laughs> I believe the time is short. I, I really do. I really do. I'm excited about it. But what about those that never heard? Oh, it breaks your heart. And as a Christian, it ought to break your heart. And so again, that's not my message, but I just want to say thank you for allowing us to be with you once again. And so I want to invite you to take your Bibles to the book of Jude. And there's a little phrase that we find in there, which has been, uh, become famous, or sorry, famous, but well known to a lot of us. It's a little phrase found in Jude, verse number uh, 22. Now, Jude only has one chapter, 
And so if you go to Jude, uh, verse number 22, and there's a little phrase that we'll focus on tonight a little bit, and I'll draw out some other points of, the, uh, of this portion of Scripture. And uh, what's our responsibility in reaching this world for Christ? What's it going to take for us to reach our world, and not only our world, but to reach out into the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? What's it going to take? I mean, is it going to take money? Yes, it's going to take money. Is it going to take prayer? Yes, it's going to take prayer. Uh, is it going to take the church? Obviously the church. But what else? What is it that we can do as individual that, will, uh, uh, that, that God can use to reach a world that's lost and dying. Amen. So there's a little phrase in Jude 22. It says, And some having compassion, making a difference. And some having compassion, making a difference. Our passion, our compassion, will make a difference. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we sure are thankful for this church. Lord, we're thankful for the many folks that have been faithful through the many years. Lord, we're thankful for Pastor and his wife, and Lord's being faithful through so many years of ministry. And Lord, we just pray that you would indeed protect this church. And Lord, that they would have a greater outreach in the time that you will allow us to be here on this earth. And I pray, Father, that you bless the message tonight. And Lord, may you speak to our hearts. God, we know that you love the world. You're concerned about every individual, every sinner that's been born. Lord, you're concerned for their salvation. And Father, you've left us here to reach people with the gospel. Help us to do what you've called us to do, and not just out of duty, but Lord, that we would do it because we love you, because you first loved us. And Father, we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the book of Jude here, uh, we won't get into uh, who the writer is, who some say he is or isn't, if he's a brother, half-brother of Jesus and things of that nature. We'll leave that for a different time. But uh, Jude here is writing to believers nonetheless, and he's encouraging them to uh, earnestly contend for the faith, as we see in verse number 3. It says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. Aren't you glad the salvation is common? That means it's for everybody. It's for the rich. It's for the, uh, for the poor. Uh, it's for the homeless. And it's those that are uh, uh, good-looking and ugly and all of, that, uh, all of those things. But the common salvation, it's for everybody. And uh, I praise the Lord for that. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to pay for it. It was freely given by the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for the common salvation. But he goes on to say of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. What's the faith is he talking about? He's talking about the faith that you and I know, the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ, that which we have received of Jesus Christ and the, of the apostles, this is the faith that you and I are to earnestly to contend for. What does it mean to contend? It means to struggle for. It means to fight for. It means to be willing to die for our faith. It means what we're willing to propagate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ at any cost, no matter what it might cost us, no matter what it might, where it might take us, but we are to earnestly contend for the faith, not to compromise, but to contend for the faith. I appreciate a church that stands for the truth. And as Pastor mentioned this, this evening, uh, there's so many churches that are dipping their sails, that are giving into compromise. They say, well, if we can't beat them, we might as well join them. No, no, no. Our God is able to give us the strength, the courage to stand for truth, and He needs us to stand for truth. We ought to be a light in this world. And He goes on, Jude, in this uh, portion of Scripture, why should we contend for the faith? What's the importance? Well, He answers that question in verse number 4. It says, For there are certain men crept in unawares, 
What are they doing? What are they up to? Why are they crawling in? Why are they sneaking in? It says, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation unto ungodly men. Ungodly men. We are surrounded by ungodly men. And sad to say, sometimes these ungodly men creep into our churches and try to ruin what God has done. I was talking to your pastor about a church, about a, fa- a pastor that we know, and there were some, uh, some ungodly men that crept in and they started spewing their, their poison and their false doctrine and their hatred and all these things and eventually destroyed the church. They had to sell the building. The pastor's no longer there. They crept in unaware. Be vigilant. Be sober. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour, and don't be, don't be fooled. He's looking for you as well. He's trying to get you out of the church, trying to get your pastor to compromise, trying to get you to compromise, trying to, you, trying to get us to question the Word of God. Hey, if God, if, if Satan can get us to start questioning the Word of God, our foundation is destroyed. We have nothing to stand on. This is our rule for faith and practice. This is, our, this is what we need to hold to, to contend to. Or you look at the new versions, the new perversions of Bibles nowadays. There's all kinds of, uh, of uh, versions that you can get. And, and be careful of, the, uh, of, of what you get caught up in. God has given us the Word of God. God is able to keep His Word from this generation and forever. I believe we have... The Word of God, amen? And we need to contend for the faith that was once delivered to us. Do you realize the price and the blood that was spilled because of this King James Bible? That you and I could have a book in our hand today that we can come to church knowing that we have the Word of God? Aren't you glad you can read the Bible and you say, I know that this is the Word of God? You don't have to read the Word of God and say, yea, did God say? No, this, thus saith the Lord. We have a preserved Word of God for us in our English language, and I praise the Lord for that. But we got to contend for that faith. How are we going to reach the gospel? When we dip our sails, when we start compromising, when we don't contend for the faith, who will? Who will? This next generation, if God tarries his coming, if the rapture is not going to happen for another 50 or 100 years, who is going to contend for the faith that our grandchildren? I got five beautiful grandchildren. Pastor, you have eight. We need to contend for the faith that they too can hear the gospel, that they too have somewhere to, uh, uh, somewhere to come to church and to be edified. But we under, have to understand, there is wickedness in the world. We are surrounded in this world by ungodly men. We need to contend for the faith. As he goes on to say, earnest contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints for for ungodly men in the latter part of verse 4. It says, turning the gospel, or sorry, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. There is an attack on God's word today. There is an attack on God himself. There's been such an attack in these last days on God and Christianity. They're trying to destroy the church and they're trying to destroy uh, the faith that we stand and they're trying to mock us. And as he goes on to say, and for the sake of time, I won't read this whole portion of scripture, but he goes on, Jude does, he talks about the ungodliness of this world. He, and he uses a couple of references. He talks about Sodom and Gomorrah, and he talks about the sins uh, that the unbelievers had, and all these things that he's talking about. We live in a society of ungodly men. In verse number 20, it says, but ye, talking to you, talking to me, but ye, he says, beloved, 
We are beloved. Amen. God so loved us. Amen. We are accepted in the beloved. Praise God for that. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. There is it again. We contend for the faith, and we build ourselves up in our faith, and our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and some having compassion, making a difference. If we're going to make a difference in this world for the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're going to make a difference in trying to reach our world for Christ, there's a few things that we need. Number one, we need to have the compassion that Jesus Christ had. The Bible says that when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. That word compassion is pity, it's love, it's, it's, a, it's a feeling of compassion for the lost, for, for someone else. And we as God's children, we ought to have compassion. Yeah, we see the wickedness, as Jude points out, all the wickedness that society is involved in. And even in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, you see the wicked, the utter wickedness that Sodom and Gomorrah was involved in. And yet you see the grace of God extended to that wicked city. And as, as Abraham pleaded with the angels, he said, hey, if you find at least uh, 50 righteous, would you, would you destroy the city for 50 righteous? He said, no, no, if you find 50 righteous, I won't destroy it. God extended his grace over and over and over again. God is extending his grace to this wicked world, and one day that grace and opportunity will be over. And so in this time, we need to make a difference. And if we don't have compassion for the lost, if we don't have compassion for the souls that are dying and going to hell, who will? Who's going to have compassion? Is the world going to say, no one cared for my soul? I was lost and I was in sin and there was a church that was in my city but nobody cared for my soul. I appreciate the efforts that Grace Baptist Church is making and reaching out in the soul winning programs that you had. Oh, praise God for that. We need more churches. Oh, we need more men and women that are called to the gospel ministry. We need more men and women that are called with a compassion for souls a love for God and say, I want to be used of God. I want my life to count. I care for my neighbor. I care for my co-workers. I I care for my family. I want to have compassion. Where do you come? Where's that compassion come from? It comes from knowing Jesus Christ. Oh, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know him to be that compassionate, that merciful, that gentle Savior? Oh, we know him as Savior. And the world needs to hear of him as well. The world needs to hear that gospel message. Hey, you think of the world, some 7.8 billion people in the world today. Unbelievable amount of people. But in that 7 billion people, that host of people, you and I, are saved. What a gospel. What a great God that the gospel reached us, that the grace of God touched your life, and that God gave you an opportunity to be saved. Hey, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Amen. Aren't you excited today that you're on your way to heaven? Hey, if the rapture were to happen today, we'd be with the Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity, worshiping Him and praising Him for all eternity in that new city that He has gone to prepare for us. What a great God. What a great merciful God. Now that we have received such wonderful grace, we have received the gospel. Hey, as Paul said, I am a debtor. Hey, you and I, we are debtors. We owe it to tell somebody else. We owe it to be involved in missions. As I mentioned before, I, I think it was, oh, maybe at a different church, got my uh, dates all mixed up. 
But every single one of us, as God's children, we ought to be involved in reaching the world with the gospel. We have to be involved. It's God's commission. It's the great commission, as he gave to the church in Matthew chapter 28, before he went to heaven in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, Ye shall be witnesses of me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. We are to be witnesses. We can't go to all these places that you have represented on the walls there of your missionaries. No, but we can be involved in giving and praying and sending. We ought, every one of us ought to be involved. We ought to have compassion not only in our surrounding area, but those that live across the ocean, those in Africa, those in Thailand, those in Mexico, those in Canada and the United States and our whole world. We need to have compassion. Jesus said to his disciples as they walked with him, he says, guys, lift up your eyes. Look on the field. I think the disciples, they were constantly surrounded with people and constantly surrounded, and I was telling this to somebody else, uh, when we, we, you know, my wife and I, we come from a little rural area, uh, we know of, uh, uh, I mentioned this, I'm not sure if I mentioned it here, uh, when I came here, we see all these different cars, and I'm kind of intrigued with cars, I like cars, it's, it's not that I lust after them, but I think they're neat, and they're cool how they are made nowadays, uh, I, I like Teslas, <laughs> they're neat, I, I don't have one, but, uh, you know, I've noticed that when we came to this part of town, uh, every, you, know, I, you know, there's so many people that have these cars. I didn't realize there were not many made. But in Winkler, there are three people that have them. So uh, you can tell how small my community is, how small our little bubble is. We know each other. We know the shopping store. We know every store in Winkler. We know if there's another store that pops up, we say, oh, hey, everybody talks about that store. There's a new store in Winkler. So we come from a very small community, very small rural area. And for us to come to this part, some three and a half million people in this in lower mainland, that's amazing. That's, that's, I'm, my mind can't comprehend that. I mean, that's only 3.5 million. Never mind 7.8 billion. And so uh, when I came to this area, one thing that really struck me says, my soul, who's reaching these people? I know you guys are reaching your area. But there's so many areas, so many parts of this city, these cities. We're just a small group that is reaching out. How are we going to do it? How are we going to make a difference? Oh, we need to have compassion. See, when we have compassion, guess what, what it's going to drive us to? We're, it's going to drive us to prayer. It's going to drive us to, the thr drive us to the throne of God and beseech Him. God, would you do a work in my heart? God, would you use us? God, would you empower your church? God, would you send a revival? Oh, we need a revival in Canada today. I believe God's going to send it before He takes us out of here. And it might be very, very soon. I don't know. I can't predict the future. I, but I just know one thing. God has left us here to do what we can by His power and His grace, and it takes to have, and it helps to have compassion. Amen. Having compassion makes a difference. If we're going to win our world for Christ. We need compassion. Do you have compassion for the lost? Understand, this is not something that comes naturally. See, it's not natural our flesh to love somebody else. That's why Jesus had to tell us, "Love your neighbor as yourself." We, can, we have no problem loving self. That comes naturally. But how about loving those that Jude is talking about? How about loving those in our society who mock us? How about those in our society who are troublemakers? How about loving those who are, as the Bible here says, ungodly? Do you realize that you and I were in that place at one time? And God extended his grace to you and I? 
Hey, we need to have compassion. We need to have the love of God. And we have the love of God in our hearts. Amen? If you're saved tonight, the Bible says that the love of God has been shed out in your hearts. But we have the love of God, as it says in Romans 5. So as we have the Holy Spirit of God, we have the ability to love one another. We can't say, well, I just don't have a love for anyone. Well, God's given us his love. The love of God, which has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of us. Now we have a commandment to love one another. And when you love someone, when you allow God to love people through you, then we have that love that will make a difference. That compassion that will make a difference. And we'll speak the truth in love, as Paul told the Ephesians. Speaking the truth in love. Do we speak the truth in love? When we go out talking to people, do we love people? Or do they just get in our way? As I mentioned before, we come from a rural area. It takes some getting used to in such a huge city with so many people. Everybody seems to be going where I'm going. They got like hundreds of vehicles going the same direction. I'm like, where, where's everybody? Are they all going where I am? I hope they're going to church. <laughs> but uh, they're in my way. Get, get out of my way. You know, it's, it's all about me, right? No. No, we need to ask God, God, give me a compassion for people. Give me a tender love for souls. Do you realize that the world goes through tremendous trials and struggles? Do we realize that some of the outbursts that people have and the anger and some of the things that they do is they're looking for the same thing that you and I were looking for at one time? We were looking for joy and happiness and peace. Hey, a lot of these people, they just don't know any better. That's why you and I are here. We are to be the light. We are to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to have compassion. We need to have a love for people. Do you and I have a love? for those that are around us, that God's given us an opportunity to minister. I'm so thankful that somebody had a love for me. I'm so thankful that people prayed for me. I'm so thankful there was a church that was faithful and praying for sinners, praying for the lost. Once my name was written on that prayer sheet as, Lord, would you save so-and-so, would you save Jake? And now my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and I'm on my way to heaven, and I'm thankful for someone that was, had compassion on me and somebody that prayed for me. Now I owe it to tell somebody else. Now I owe it to tell others about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we see the wickedness of men, and we see that, uh, that we, are to be, uh, we are to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered, and we need to deliver that message having compassion in our heart. Having, a compa- having compassion. Oh, what a, great, what a great command we have. When you think of missions, when you think of the world and the great need that is there, I've had the privilege of traveling to certain countries and uh, everywhere you go, every church we talk to, every pastor we talk to, the need is the same. We need more laborers. We need more laborers. We need more laborers. And Jesus told us to pray for laborers. If we're going to make a difference in this world and reaching our, our world for Christ and not, our, and not only our, our own area, we're going to have to earnestly pray that God would raise up laborers. Praying for laborers. Do we pray for laborers? Now let me ask you this. Do you pray, for, when you do pray for laborers, 
Do we pray that God would send our children or our grandchildren to the mission field? It's easy to pray for pastor's kids to go to the mission field, amen? But Lord, not my children. I want my children to stay in Winkler. I, I don't want them to take my grandchildren away. <laughs> if you have grandchildren, you know how precious they are, amen? No, we, we, can't, we, can't, we can't think that way. We need to say, God, if you want to call my children, God, I, and I do pray that God would use my children. I would rather have God using my children in some foreign country and I never see them again this side of eternity than rather than living at home outside the will of God. I would by far sooner see my children and my, my grandchildren serving the Lord somewhere in some, some country that I've never even heard of rather than staying at home not fulfilling the will of God in their life. And it is a prayer that we need to pray. God, would you call even my children? God, would you call even my grandchildren? And then earnestly pray that God would raise up laborers out of our own congregation. What are we scared about? Maybe God's called you to be a missionary, to be a pastor, or to be involved in full-time Christian service. Why? Why does that for some reason scare us? Or let me ask you this. Has God stopped calling people? I remember even in my short little time that I've been a Christian, I've been a Christian now almost 20 years now, and I remember in the, in the start of my, my Christian journey, and we uh, worked with our young people there at Pemina Valley Baptist Church. And, and uh, in the summertime, we would take them to a youth camp. And we'd take them down to the States. We didn't have a camp up in Canada. we since now started our own. But we would travel down south, and uh, we'd bring our teenagers down to this camp. And it was a wonderful time. Boy, I just, I was, I was so blessed. I know we went to take the teens there to get them uh, fired up. But my soul, my heart was always stirred. But I remember those days when, um, and that's not even that long ago, 15 years ago. And uh, after the preaching and after youth camp and, uh, and the teenagers would come home and with a fire in their heart. And boy, they'd, they'd come before the church and give testimony and say, yeah, God's called me to preach or God's called me to be a missionary. And it seemed like to nowadays is, where are these young people? Where is the call of God? Has God stopped calling? I don't think so. I think we've gotten so distracted in our society. I think we've gotten so busy in things that are useless and vain. And we've allowed ourselves to be distracted from God's calling. And it happens not only in the teenagers' lives, but it happens in, our own, our, in the adult's life as well. We start getting so busy. We don't hear the, God, the call of God anymore. And we start losing interest in the things of God. We start losing interest in church. Oh, we have to go to church. Let me tell you what. If you have a church that preaches the word of God, which you do, it is a privilege to go to church. It is a great joy. It ought to be a great joy. What will make a difference in this world and reaching our world for Christ is when we no longer have to go to church, but we say we get to go to church. Oh, are you there tonight? I know with a lot of the restrictions, things of that nature, I understand that. But if there's an opportunity and, 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 and we can be in church, do we say, I want to go to church? I want to read my Bible. It'll make a difference in not only in your life, but it'll make a difference in reaching our world for Christ. See, God doesn't want to drag people around. God doesn't want to force people to do stuff. He can make us do whatever He wanted us to do. But God wants us to choose to serve Him. God loveth a cheerful giver. Hey, He wants you to give your life cheerfully. 
Can you imagine a husband and wife relationship if my wife had to marry me? If I forced her to marry me? And, and, and I made her do things for me? I want you to make supper for me. And I want you to make what I like. And all these things. And I just forced this. What kind of a relationship would that be? It wouldn't be a relationship. And see, God is love and He wants to be loved. He wants us to choose to love Him. Do you choose to love God with all of your heart? Hey, when we choose to love God with our hearts, it is a joy. It is a privilege of ser to serve God. I was just talking to my wife just before we came here and just, just thinking of, uh, of what God's allowing us to do to serve Him. I get to serve God. I get to serve an Almighty God. The King of kings and Lord of Lords. That is my God and I get to serve Him. He doesn't make me. He doesn't make me feel guilty. But because of His great love for me, when I meditate on the Lord Jesus Christ, I see the price that He has paid. I see the grace of God in my life. I see all that God has done for me. Why would I not serve Him? Why would I not give my all to Him? But you know, it's sad to say at times I struggle with that. My wicked flesh. Oh, I hate this flesh. As Paul said, all the good that I want to do, I want to serve Christ. And yeah, God's given me a new spirit. He's given me a new desire to serve Him. But sometimes this old wicked flesh creeps up and says, I don't want to go to church today. And I say to my flesh, ah, you're going to be submissive to me. I keep under my body. And I say, I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ because it's a decision that you and I make. And I choose to love God with all of my heart. And if, it's going to, if we're going to make a difference for the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to choose to love God with all of our hearts and it will make a difference. And we'll no longer say, oh, I have to serve Jesus. No, you don't have to do anything. Mm -mm. No, God loves a cheerful giver. My wife doesn't have to love me. She doesn't have to give me kisses. But she chooses to because she loves me. Hey, man, I love that. I wouldn't have it any other way. Can you imagine how God feels when he asks us to do something? Hey, how about you talking to so-and-so? How about you giving some money to missions? Ah, oh, fine. Can you imagine? God doesn't need our money. He need, we have nothing to give to God that he needs. He just wants us. <laughs> oh, that blows my mind. He wants me. He wants me. He wants you. Oh, my soul. Doesn't that just stir up a, a, a love for him? He said, boy, if you'll serve me, I'll see to it that you have everything you need. I'll see to it that you'll have a blessed life. Doesn't mean without trouble. Something we think, oh, okay, if I'm going to surrender to God, then my life is going to be uh, free of problems. Oh, you look at the Apostle Paul. He loved God, did he not? Oh, sure he did. <laughs> Look at his life. But he said to the end of his life in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9, he, where Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for thee. He said, whatever you need, Paul, I'll give it to you. What does Paul then say? Astounding. He said, I will therefore most gladly, gladly, Glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Wow, can we go through our trials and, and tribulations gladly? God, thank you that I am broke. 
<laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm just excited to see how God's going to answer my prayer. Amen? Give God an opportunity. I mentioned to the college students when I was in college, I tell you, we had mortgage payments, house, uh, car payments, uh, homeschool material, college bill. I mean, we had, and I was the only one earning money. And I didn't, I, I didn't have a high-paying job. And there was times, there was one particular time where God really, really tested me. And I had surrendered to missions. And I knew what God had called us to do. And then there was that time where College bill was up, mortgage payment was done, car payment was due, all these things, and I went to pay all my bills and things of that nature. And after my paycheck, I had $20 left to my name for another two weeks. And we hadn't even gone grocery shopping. Now, I'm thinking, I was sitting in Bible college on Saturday morning, thinking, how in the world do I tell my wife that uh, we have $20 left, and she needs to go grocery shopping so we have food for the next two weeks? And you know what I started doing? I started saying, okay, now tithe, tithe. It's, is it Old Testament? You start getting real spiritual, right? Uh, is it law? Well, maybe, maybe you start, you start wavering. You start thinking, well, maybe if I don't give to missions because I'm called to missions, so if I don't give to missions, I'm giving my life, and uh, maybe I can hold back my missions commitment, and uh, you start, and God just like, did I not tell you I would take care of you? Didn't I tell you, Jake? And I'm like, yeah, you did, but how, are you gonna, how am I going to tell my wife? I feared my wife more than no, I didn't. <laughs> so I went home and I prayed as I was praying. I said, Lord, you know our situation. I want to be faithful. I want to see you do great things in my life. If, you're called, if we're called to missions, God, I need to see you answer my prayer at home. And to make a long story short, oh my, God answered. God never one time forsook us. There was not a day that went by we didn't go without food. And it wouldn't have hurt if we had. But uh, God took care of us. And if you surrender your, your life to God, God has obligated to take care of you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Why then do we get scared of surrendering our life to him, to give him our all. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for a good God that you are. Thank you for your provision. And Lord, may we be people, even if we go, do, do go through hard times and trials, and maybe if we have to come to that point in our life where we have to do without some of the things that we enjoy, Lord, may you still find us faithful because you first loved us. Father, help us. I pray, Lord, you would help us to earnestly contend for the faith. And, Lord, that we would have compassion for the souls that you died for. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.